Welcome to the Grace Chapel Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you're encouraged and built up in your faith as we dive into God's Word together. Enjoy the message. Would you grab your Bibles today and turn to two scriptures, Psalms chapter 19, and then we're going to go into the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter number 8. So I want to encourage you today. I'm going to review for just a few minutes. I always like to review because, listen, we don't catch it all, you know, the first time. So I always want to spend some time reviewing. We started two weeks ago this series called This is the Bible. And we're talking about the importance of the Word of God and how this has to be our foundation. It is our foundation morally. It is our foundation for truth. It is the foundation for every aspect of our life. This book is a living book. Amen? It's not just a book. It is a living book. It is powerful. And so we've been talking about the importance of God's Word. And I started off by reading from 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16. And we'll throw that up on the screen. And it just says this. It says, all Scripture is given, or I should say this. Let's read it from the Amplified. Let's go by that. Given by inspiration of God. Let's go into the Amplified Bible. All Scripture is God-breathed. God-breathed and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error, for restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness, living in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, behaving, behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage so that the man of God may be complete and proficient outfitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. And it stops there in verse number 16, behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage. I love the first part of this because most translations just say that all Scripture is inspired. But the Amplified actually defines that and says all Scripture is God-breathed. In other words, it is the breath of God. It is actually, I'm going to move this just a little bit. It is the breath of of God. God breathes over us. So we've talked for a couple weeks about what the Word of God is, and I said, number one, here's what the Word of God does. It restores our soul. And how does it do that? Because it's actually mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. It's God breathing into us, and so that when you wake up in the morning, and of course, you had the cares of the day the day before, you slept that night, you wake up, and you say, God, I need a fresh wind. I need breath of God to breathe over me, and when you spend time, because we've been challenging you over the last couple weeks, spend at least 20 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day. Read some Psalms or read Proverbs, or maybe you just want to spend time in one particular book. Read an epistle, and it won't take you that long to read 20 minutes. You can grab a lot of chapters in 20 minutes. Do your best to try to get 20 minutes of the Word of God in before you get going on your day, before you get on social media, before you check your Facebook, before you get to all the things that you have to do. Take time. Go get some coffee. Grab a piece of toast and sit down and open up the Word of God and find where you can just let God breathe into your life. He restores your soul through His Word. And then I said last week, also, it gives wisdom to those who ask. It gives wisdom to those who ask. And we talked last week about wisdom. It's so important for you to understand. Proverbs chapter 9 actually says this. Wisdom has set the table. 
right? It's got the food ready. It's got your drink ready. And it says this, excuse me, wisdom has actually set the table. So you know how when somebody invites you over for dinner and and you get this big dinner, the big dinner planned, and you, you get invited over, and they say, hey, hey, what can we bring? You know, you say, what can we bring? And they say, nothing, just bring your appetite. God actually says that. God is saying here that wisdom has set the table. Everything is ready for you. All you have to do is come hungry, amen? And we talked about that last week in this search for wisdom. James chapter 1, verse 5 says, if you need wisdom, you ask. If you need wisdom, you ask. And guess what? God gives it. He gives wisdom. If ever you need it, all you have to do is ask. And you need wisdom. I said this last week. You don't know what you don't know. And whatever you're going to face this week, whatever you faced last week, guess what? You can't handle it on your own. You'll never be smart enough. You'll never be wise enough. You'll never have enough strength. You'll never have enough talent. You have to have God, amen? Listen, listen, husbands, you need God. Fathers, you need God. Ladies, mothers, come on now, wives, singles, you need God. You own a business, you need God. Huh? You have a boss, you need God, amen? You need divine wisdom, and this is where we find it in the pages of this book. So let's read from Psalm chapter 19, because this has been our key verse For this particular series, in Psalms chapter number 19, starting in verse number 7, it says this, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul or restoring the soul. Point number one, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple, right? Which was point number two. And then today, verse 8, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So we said this, hey, the statutes of the Lord, here's what the statutes of the Lord do. They rejoice the heart. So number three is, here's what the word of God does. Meditating on God's word rejoices your heart. Rejoices your heart. Listen, I've also been saying this for years. If you're saved, notify your face. I mean, you know, we need, we need more happy Christians. You know, when the world thinks about Christians, they think about angry, right? Angry, mean, crazy Christians, you know what I mean? But what the world should see is happy Christians, joyful Christians, amen? We should be the happiest people on earth. We should have something just rising up inside of us. We should smile. We should be happy. Amen. There's so much to be happy about, and we want to talk about that today because here's what the Word of God does. Meditating on God's Word actually brings joy to our heart. We should be joyful. Amen. We should be happy. There's a theologian named G.K. Chesterton, and here's what he said. He said, joy is the gigantic secret of the Christian life. It's just like this gigantic secret. Like we walk around smiling and happy, and we're walking around always, always in a good mood. Come on now, no matter what has happened to us. I know that it's difficult. This isn't easy. But they should see something in us that goes, wow, why are they so happy? 
Because, you know, the world just tries to get you in a bad mood. You watch the news, instant bad mood. Go on social media, instant bad mood. You see everybody else on vacation, instant bad mood. Come on now. You see their highlight reel of their life. They're putting the best things forward. They're taking pictures and posing things in just the right direction. And you're like, I don't have a kitchen like that. Look at them. They're on vacation again. Do they even work? Look at these people. I mean, come on now. Instant bad mood. Instant depression. But we should just go, you know what? Forget all that stuff. I'm saved. I belong to God. Amen. I've got so much reason to be happy and joyful, amen? And so we want to talk today a little bit about, just a little bit about joy. Let me show you this scripture to you. It says this in Psalms 119.11, it says, Your testimonies I have taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. Did you hear that? It says, Your testimonies, your word... This book, your promises, I have taken as a heritage for me. They're the rejoicing of my heart. Now, there's a difference between a heritage and an inheritance. An inheritance is what's left to you. A heritage is what's left in you. So, so when the psalmist said, your testimonies I have taken, in other words, I have deposited your word in my heart, amen? It's not just something that somebody left to me, right? It's something that they have left in me. I've had this Bible for a very long time. I got little highlights. I got little markers. I, I, I put notes in it and stuff like that. One day, I'll leave it to my kids. But you know what? If they never open it, it doesn't do them any good. And so I hope that they do open it. But more than just leaving them pages on a book, I want to deposit something in their heart. I want to get this book on the inside of them because that's what's going to sustain them through life. That's the heritage I want to leave my children and my grandchildren, the Word of God. And the psalmist said this, I have taken this book and I have put it in my heart. And because I've put it in my heart, because I've assigned it as a heritage for me, it is the rejoicing of my heart. Hallelujah. Because somebody said money can't buy happiness. And I'm here to tell you that is a lie. <laughs> Give me a million dollars. I'll be so happy. Come on now. I'll have a brand new Porsche 911. I'll park it sideways in the front so everybody can see it. Pastor's blessing. Amen? Somebody said, you can't do that. Oh, watch me. I will do it in a heartbeat. I'll be so happy, but then, you know, that happiness is just temporary. That's not joy, right? It's just temporary happiness. We've got to understand that there's a difference. Money can buy happiness. It just buys temporary happiness. What God wants is something that's deposited inside of you that lasts, amen, that the world didn't give and the world can't take it away, amen? It's called joy, hallelujah. And I want it now. 
I don't want it just when I get to heaven. I want it now. I want it long term, and I want it now. We used to sing a song, an old hymn, when I was a kid. It went like this. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Just, just let me do it. Just go ahead. Just nobody join in, you know. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Does nobody know that? There's not one person? Anybody with gray hair in the building? Come on now. And we put the rejoicing when we all see Jesus, when we all get to heaven. And let me tell you, there's, that's absolutely true. But how many of you know we can sing and shout the victory right here, right now? Amen. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven to rejoice. Amen. We can sing and shout and have joy on this side. That's why the psalmist said this. Psalms uh, somewhere says this. It'll be on your screen. So it's still 27. Psalms somewhere. That's a verse. It said this, I would have lost heart, right? Unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Not just in the sweet by and by, but in the nasty here and now, we get to see the goodness of God, amen? On this lifetime, I want joy. Not just when I get to heaven, I want joy here, now, I need it now, amen? I need it now, hallelujah. It's called joy. And God's got this incredible, incredible supply for you. He just wants to pour it out. And he's saying it's all right here in the pages of his book. And you know why it's so powerful? Because in these scriptures are promises. And you begin to read it. And you go, what? you know what? That's, I can apply that to my life. I, I, I can partake in that. That's, that belongs to me. That's why it's so good. Amen. Because you can look at it and you go, that's mine. I get that. Come on now, I get to partake in that. I want to give you 10 promises from God. Don't worry, I'm going to give them to you real quick. All right? 10 promises of God. And, and I just want you to either write them down, take a picture, whatever you could do. Number one, his presence. Isn't that good news? That, that We could stop right there. You could have joy all day for that one. Amen. It's his presence. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 5 says this, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Did you hear me now? Never will I leave you. That's proximity. But watch this part. Never will I forsake you. That means I'll never turn my heart away from you. God said not only will I never leave you, I'll be near you. I won't even turn my heart away from you. Hallelujah. His presence is a promise. Number two, our salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 says this, for you've been saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man can boast. In other words, it is a gift of our salvation. Three is our healing. 1 Peter 2, 24 says what? By his stripes, we were healed. Amen. It happened at the cross. So by his stripes, we're healed. I believe that with all of my heart. So we've got his presence. We've got our salvation. We got his, uh, our healing. Number four is our freedom. John chapter 8, verse 36 says, He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. 
Number five is his wisdom, James chapter one. We've already looked at this one. If we lack wisdom, and we do, and we do, we can ask, and God gives it. Number six is this, his peace. Aren't you glad for the, the peace of God? The peace of God. Jesus actually said this in John chapter 14. He said, peace I leave with you. Peace I give you, not as the world gives. It's a different kind of peace, amen? It's not bubbling brooks and tranquil little sounds of streams going down the river, right? It is his peace. Even in the midst of chaos, we can experience his incredible peace. Number seven is our hope, amen? Romans chapter 15, verse 4 said this, that the scriptures, watch this, the scriptures were given to us for our hope. This book was given to us, it was written for our hope. Amen? Aren't you glad for hope? Number seven is this, new beginnings. Woo, praise God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he's what? A new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In other words, he has promised us a brand new beginning. You can turn the page and go, hey, I'm starting over. It's a new chapter in my life. It is a fresh start. It is a new beginning. Amen? And then number nine is his abundance. Philippians 4.13 says, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. He's an abundant God. He supplies. He provides. Amen? Listen, I still pray at the dinner table. And I say this, when we gather, we try to do family dinners at least three to four times a week where we sit down as a family. And man, I tell you what, we get there and there's food and I'm just so grateful. I just always say, God, thank you for your supernatural provision. Amen? Not just on Thanksgiving, which is coming up, praise God, but every day of our life he provides. And then number 10 is his purpose. His purpose, Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says this, that God is working. He's working all things together, how? For our good, according to his purpose. Amen. He's got a plan for your life. He's got a purpose for your life. And listen, just those 10, I could read 10 more. And then another 10 more. Did you hear me now? And then another 10 more. There are so many promises of God in his word. And listen, this is the reason why we read it. We can read it and we go, oh God, you have promised us so much. You have poured out blessings on our life. You have so much in store for us. How can I be downcast? How can I be depressed? How can I be defeated? How can I live beneath or below what you've called, where you've called me to live? I see these promises in your word and it makes me happy amen happy it's better than a million dollars it's better than a Porsche 911 I mean that with all my heart that thing will just be tinfoil one day it'll be a toaster come on now but this word stands forever it's better than stuff hallelujah it's the word of God praise the Lord I want to end with Nehemiah chapter 8. We'll spend a little time here, but Nehemiah chapter 8, I just want to give you some reference as to what is happening in Nehemiah chapter 8. It had been a long time since the word of God had been read, put together, the law. And Nehemiah was a contemporary of a man by the name of Ezra, and Ezra was a scribe, which means that he, hand he would handwrite the word of God. And so he compiled 
the law, put it back together. And they actually built a tower that Ezra would stand upon, and for the first time in many, many years, he stood and he read the word of God. In Nehemiah chapter 8, all the people had assembled together. Now watch what happened. And verse number 5 says this, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Ooh, hallelujah. Look, he just had the book. And he's standing there on this wooden platform in front of all the people. And the Bible says when he opened it, people just stood up in reverence to the word of God. It had been so long since it had been read, right? So long since it had been read. Verse 6 says, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, while lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. He read the word of God, it says earlier in this chapter, for six hours. Ooh, some of y'all barely take a 30-minute sermon. Six hours. It's 10 o'clock now. That means I'd go to about four, just reading the word of God. I'd lose 90% of y'all be out. <laughs> Starving, okay? I got to go eat. He read it for six hours. And they stood there, their faces to the ground. And they actually started weeping, because watch verse number nine. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and, the Le- and, and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the word of the law. They were convicted of their sin. They were convicted of transgressing the law. And they began to weep. And here's what Nehemiah says, don't weep. It's a holy day. But watch what he says. Then he said to them, verse 10, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet. (laughs) My new favorite scripture. Some of y'all didn't even know this was in the Bible. You're going to be like, are you kidding me? That's in the Bible? Move over John 3, 16. This is it now. Nehemiah 8, 10. Eat the fat, drink the sweet. Praise God. And it says this, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to the Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord. In other words, we've just opened the book of the law. We just heard it read for six hours. Don't weep. Be happy. Because this book is a joyous book. And the joy that this book brings gives you strength. Hallelujah. It gives you strength. That's why this book is so important. That's why we need to read it. That's why we need to understand it. It is the greatest book that has ever been written. It was written by one person. He's God. And he wrote it to give us joy, to give us strength. Amen? It's not to just go through every detail and just be sorrowful. Of course, there'll be moments when we should be contrite and convicted of our sins. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory over our sin. He gives us freedom. Amen? And 
guess what? We are forgiven. Hallelujah. Forgiven. Now I'm going to ask Pastor Mark to come. Now watch this. I want to end. This won't be on the screen, but let me just end with this scripture. This actually happened to the disciples. They went out. Jesus had sent them out. And they saw Satan defeated. And I mean, they were seeing healings and miracles. All sorts of, all sorts of stuff was happening. And they come back and they were so excited. And they said to Jesus, Jesus, we saw demons cast out. We saw healing. We saw miracles. And they were so happy. And he warned them. He warned them. Watch this. Jesus actually warned them and said, listen, don't rejoice over that. Here's what you rejoice over, that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Now you say, well, why is that important? Because our joy should never be about what we're doing. It should always be about who we are. Did you hear me now? This book does have some doing in it. It tells us what to do. And absolutely, we should do what it says. But what he wants to convey to us through the word of God is who we are. He said your primary source of joy should never be about what you do. It should always be about who you are. You are a child of God. Your name, come on now. Your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. You're forgiven. The greatest source of joy should be understanding who you are. You're a child of God. I want to ask you to do this, to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. Thanks for joining us. And thank you to our Grace family who have been generously giving in to this ministry. For more information about our church, please visit gogracechapel.com. Dot com and give us a follow on Facebook or Instagram with the same handle at Go Grace Chapel. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.